Welcome back to The Hang. My name is Nick Finzer. We're on today with Alan Blanchard and our guest for this week, Chris Ziemba, great pianist and composer and current member of the Air Force, um, Airmen of Note, sorry, can't remember the name of the band for some reason. Uh, and today we're chatting because just recently, in the last couple of weeks, Chris and I uh, released a new duo recording called Live at Pinch Recording, which was uh, uh, also on the same session from the episode from a couple of weeks ago, live at Pinch Recording with the whole OIM crew. So, uh, Chris, hello, and thanks for being here. Hey, man. Thanks so much for having me. Great and to be here. Alan, it's almost as good to have you here as Chris. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's a strong R, right? I understand. I'm just kidding. But... Uh, Chris, so how's things going? I know you've been in DC for a couple of years now. Can you tell people that don't know who you are a little bit about your background and how you ended up where you are now? Absolutely. Um, so uh, I'm originally from Buffalo, New York, uh, born and raised. And uh, I went to uh, music school first at Eastman School of Music in Rochester, which is where Nick and I first crossed paths over a decade ago. I can't believe it's been that long. Um, oh. actually, I guess it was high school where we start, we first met each other, but, uh, anyway, went to Eastman, um, studied jazz and music education, um, was there for a number of years, got a master's as well, moved to New York city, uh, did an artist diploma at, uh, the Juilliard school also in jazz studies. Um, and I was, uh, this is the real condensed version, by the way, I'm freelancing, uh, and teaching in New York city for, um, about three and a half, four years following my studies there. And then um, in early 2017, I was contacted by um, a bassist who grew up with me in Buffalo and who was, who was the, uh, the current bassist in the Airmen of Note, which is the uh, premier jazz ensemble for the U.S. Air Force. Um, and he said that their pianist was uh, retiring and they were going to have an open audition uh, and that I should consider sending in materials. So I'm sure you can, you know, see where the end of the story leads, but I ended up sending, sending in my uh, materials, going down for the audition. Uh, was very honored to be selected for the gig. And um, I went to uh, basic training the, in the summer of 2017 and uh, ended up in D.C. to start full time with the band in September. So I've been here at this point now just over two years um, as a technically a um, a full-time active duty uh, airman and uh, big band pianist simultaneously. So that's uh, what I'm up to these days. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that sounds uh, exciting. So what is it yeah. like being in the Air Force big band? What is it? I mean, there's a lot of people that listen to the show that are younger musicians. You know, what is a career as a pianist in the military, the Air Force? What does that look like? Sure. Well, um, military band gigs are, are really great gigs um, for their stability. And you're also surrounded by uh, super high caliber musicians. Um, uh, it's, uh, it is a full-time job. I mean, there are some military aspects to it, such as, like I mentioned, basic training. Uh, the fact that you're in an organizational structure now, meaning you have things like supervisors and a chain of command and like all sorts of stuff like that. But at the end of the day, um, 
you know, my job is to play music and to play jazz music uh, at that too and be creative. Um, so uh, if you can understand, uh, if you're good at following directions and if you're good at like working within an organizational structure, then this might be, you know, a great career for people who have that in mind. Um, uh, does that answer your question? I mean, there's, I there's, so. there's, it's like, there's a lot of different um, facets to the gig too. Um, one thing that, one thing that I like specifically about the DC bands, they call them the premier bands, which is a little bit different from regional bands is that if you, if you win a job in a premier band, you are permanently stationed here in Washington, DC. So if you win this gig, you have this gig for as long as you're allowed to stay in. Um, and that's different from the regional bands because regional bands, you might um, stay in one place for four years and, they, and then they might decide, oh, um, we need someone with your, with your skills, skill sets to join this band on another part of the country. So they might move you around and that kind of affects stability and planning for a little bit. But the the premier band gigs are great because then the the whole long-term picture is kind of, it comes into view. And that was something that was very appealing to me um, at the time when I was going for the gig. So. So let's back up for a little bit, a little bit, you know, and um, talk about like how you have developed as a pianist to be such a great musical comper and collaborator. I mean, you're a fantastic like leader doing your own thing, but like you just have an uncanny ability to be able to get inside of people's heads and inside of people's music in a way that I don't encounter very often. Do you have any um, thoughts about like how you've developed that such like a great skill set in that way? Oh, geez. Well, uh, well, first of all, thank you. Uh, it's nice to <laughs> hear that from, from someone who I've, of course I, uh, respect very much musically and that's kind of a different a difficult question to answer because i'm not sure i uh exactly know what what i've done specifically to to work on versatility other than that i've been blessed with um a number of great mentors over the years who themselves have had very uh versatile skill sets as pianists and 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 specifically, I'm talking about uh, Harold Danko, who was my mentor at Eastman for six, seven years, uh, and and then at Juilliard was Frank Kimbrough, who's who's you know renowned in New York for his work as a solo leader and and with Maria Schneider's jazz orchestra and stuff. Um, and so through the number of years I spent studying with them, oh, and of course Paul Hoffman too. I can't forget him. Paul Hoffman is a wonderful, brilliant. Um, Rochester pianist through all three of these mentors, they exposed me to a, a wide variety of music. And I suppose they taught me not to, um, uh, harbor any prejudices against a certain style or genre, uh, within jazz. So, so that led me to pursue personally, a, um, a bunch of different tastes from like modern jazz to a little bit of trad jazz to, um, you know, of course, writing my own music too, and, and all these different facets in between. Um, and Nick, I think you'll be able to speak to this too. I mean, at least at Eastman, they, um, they the scope of their program is such as that they really encouraged students to 
kind of pursue their own projects at the same time as as they're getting the traditional uh, foundational kind of aspects of the music too. Um, so I guess all this is to say my, my entire experience as a pianist has been to explore as many different avenues as possible. Um, and so maybe that means, uh, I, I'm, I'm quicker to adapt to a certain musical situation or kind of understand what is required in a certain situation. Uh, perhaps, I don't know. Maybe that also means that I don't feel like I'm particularly specialized in any one area. But, uh, that's interesting it's interesting for you to because i don't feel that way i feel like you do you're very specialized oh. you're, you're, i feel like uh i don't know i that's it you're just too humble that's what this comes down to you're oh, too right. humble well i mean to um, uh, to expand i guess on that like like a very specific question i got for you chris is um because yeah. you guys have done like three duo records now i'm sure you know you've played together longer than just three records so obviously that helps, you know, with your guys' relationship uh, as people. Um, but something I've always noticed when trying to play duo with some people versus others is uh, some people are really good at creating motion, um, especially pianists. And some, and other times, like, they kind of can get into a lull if they're not mm -hmm. um, comping in, in a way that creates a sense of uh, forward motion and to that you know who are some people that maybe you've checked out um because i mean there's some times like on this record and other records like where you're straight up sounding like like a freaking fugue behind nick you know yeah. um but like <laughs> what, what do you like what do you work on to to specifically focus on that you know like recognizing there needs to be space but like also your job at that point is well, you got, he's soloing, but like you have to be kind of the entire rhythm section. So you have to, you know, worry about harmony, uh, bass lines in what sense, like rhythmic sure. ideas. It, how, how do you work on that and make it sound, uh, you know, simple? Well, uh, again, thank you. Um, I think um, I've, I've done a lot and a lot and a lot of listening to duo and um, duo tends to be one of my preferred formats because to me next to playing just solo it allows the widest latitude for change in the music you can go into it with you know i try to go into most duo situations with zero expectations or zero preconceived notions beyond what the tune might be and just see how they unfold um and and you had mentioned yeah you're right i've i've done three duo recordings with nick uh so there's that the the trust that's built in there uh built over over years and i think that's an important part of of allowing the music to unfold is having that trust with whoever you're playing with but i mean some pianists that i've listened to who i think are really excellent solo and duo duo performers in their own right uh i mean fred hirsch is the guy that pops into mind i've been listening to fred for i mean ever since uh my friend jeremy siskin turned me on to him back when we were in in undergrad together and uh i mean aaron parks taylor ixty um that i'm just naming kind of guys who are on the scene now but if you i mean barry harris and like hank jones and i mean just kind of like for me it's all about listening to other great examples of duo pianists and uh trying to understand what they do that allows the music to feel so fresh and um 
Yeah, it's all it's for me, it's about being open and, and aware of my textural possibilities in any given moment. I don't want to um, necessarily assert something that shouldn't be there, but I also want to have the flexibility to change the music in a certain way or or go with the person I'm playing with in a certain way, whether that means, you know, subtly changing the harmony or or you know, going into some sort of fugal thing, like you said, I, mean, I feel like my left hand doesn't work half the time. So it's nice that, <laughs> that you mentioned that. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just a matter of immersing myself in, in what I want to sound like and then just trying to work on as many different options as I can think of. Well, you definitely have lots of options, I think. Uh, no, I mean, I... I I try to encourage my students to, you know, play duo with different people. And I think you're right. That's that relationship over time. So mm -hmm. I think, uh, <laughs> I think we should go backwards even further. And so, you know, we were saying that Chris and I have known each other since high school. We played in a band that did uh, essentially Ellington, uh, that kind of repertoire. And, um, I, Remember the very first tune that Chris brought into the big band. It was a great, uh, it was a great, it was like a straight eighth note tune. What was it called? Ambiance or something like that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, from that band, when I got to Eastman, Chris was one year ahead of me. I get it. Yeah, right. Yeah, one year ahead yeah. of me. And, uh, we lived on the same floor, actually, in the dorms. Uh, like Chris was like around the corner, like three or four doors down. And for me, you know, Chris being older than me, I was always like afraid to talk to Chris as a as a freshman, you know, a lowly freshman at Eastman. <laughs> and um, and then uh, me and my roommate actually had kind of a funny fusion band funk fusion band and i was like oh man you know who'd be great chris would be great in this band and then but i was like oh but he would never do it he would never ever play in our band it's a silly little band and then chris was uh kind enough to join the band and he <laughs> learned all kinds of silly songs that we used to, used well, to the write thing you, you may not remember about that man is that that is the very first time I've, i was ever asked to join someone's band so that was like a huge moment for me uh, just like it was kind of like an affirmation, like, holy smokes, people want to play with me. Of course, I'm going to play in the band. So that was that was the start of it all, man. So thank you for asking me. <laughs> was this that band that did like that, uh, that carry on my wayward son cover with like, oh, Stephen no, Brass no, 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 no. Different band, different silly band. <laughs> there was many silly bands in my past. So what do you guys do? Although, well, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, maybe Chris played with that band one time. Maybe one time. The Poe Boys Brass Band. I don't know. Did you ever play with that band? I think I played one gig with them. With them. The one, one band, yeah. Um, no, this was a different band. That it shall remain nameless so no, nobody can go and find the recordings. So That's what do you fair. have to do when you're not doing music? Like, uh, Chris, I, you play tennis, right? Like, do you guys do anything else? To, I mean, you guys are both from Rochester. I know Nick. Oh, Chris is from Buffalo. Rochester. Yeah, but like. Buffalo is like the better version of Rochester from what I've been told. Oh, wow. Okay. okay we're going to go down that road now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, like besides like, what do you guys, uh, what did you guys do together? Because I, I think so many people have commented like, 
when you have a a, a musical relationship with somebody or whatnot that's more than you know you just call them for a couple of gigs um you learn the most about them outside of playing music so like you guys you know i'm sure it's a little difficult now with you know you being in texas nick and him in dc but there had to have been some things you guys did besides like get up and play your diminished licks <laughs> chicken wings that's one something we frequently do yeah, absolutely man chicken wings and, and watching bills games and whatnot Right. Um, I, I think, you know, especially when we were both in the same place in New York City, I mean, we would end up on a lot of gigs together. And, uh, you know, so much of what we do as freelance musicians obviously happens off the bandstand as in the form of hanging, whether that's, you know, directly after the gig or, you know, after rehearsal or, you know, whatever. So I, I feel like especially uh, once I got to New York City, uh, a lot of my free time was just kind of. So, you know, just being around on the scene and hanging with friends and, and seeing music and talking about music and or, or not talking about music, but just hanging out, you know, um, and t- to the to the point where I mean, I, I you know, you, you mentioned the tennis thing. As soon as I moved to New York City, man, you know, musicians are not always the best athletes. I couldn't find anyone to play tennis with. And that's still kind of, <laughs> kind of is the case to this day, unfortunately. But uh, um, I don't know if Nick, if you have anything to add to that. Oh, I mean, no, I mean, yeah, we kind of just hung out all the time on gigs and doing whatever to on tour or whatever. But what's your escape? Yeah. Like, I mean, you gotta, you gotta have something that, that you can do when you're just like banging your head against a wall with this stuff. You know, it, it's like, I think we all will agree. Like it by no means is, is simple, you know? Yeah. So for me these days, um, one of the things that I do that's not related to music, uh, when I have time is, is rock climbing. So that's my new, my new thing. Wow. I'm a little bit into, you know, running and, and biking. DC is a very, uh, kind of outdoor oriented city. Um, and so, especially with, the ever since, you know, basic training, I've, I've, I've felt a little bit more conscious about trying to stay in shape because now it's part of my job. I have standards that I have to maintain, or I could, you know, in 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 theory lose the gig <laughs> at some point but uh oh <laughs> well, yeah i mean that's 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 it and of course hanging out here there's a lot of wineries and and uh breweries that i like to go to and i like i like to i feel like i'm like filling out a questionnaire on like a like a school form i like to read books i like to play video <laughs> well when you rock climb do you do like uh do you do bouldering do you do belay like what is what's going on there well, I, uh, my wife and I, my, my wife, Lauren, also a, a musician and an Eastman student. So we're a, or a alum, alumna, I guess. We uh, have memberships to a, to a climbing gym in Alexandria. And uh, it's kind of exactly both that. We, we do belaying and bouldering. And we're hoping to get into uh, maybe some outdoor climbing eventually. Dude, that is one of the hardest things I've ever tried. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's such a great full body workout, and pretty soon you know we'll be climbing El Capitan without uh, without ropes and setting world records. That's, that's the plan. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just so ironic, considering <clears throat> your history as a <laughs> undergrad. <laughs> oh man, yeah, dude, it's so funny. Um, so. I mean, 
So what do you say? I mean, okay, so I'm going to change the topic just sure, a little bit sure. to be more about you because you hate talking about yourself. <laughs> and so a couple of years ago, uh, you finally did your first record, Manhattan Lullaby. What year did that come out? Uh, 2016. 16. Okay, so three years ago. And that finally came out. And it kind of took you a while to get to the point of wanting to do that. So could you, you know, talk to that kind of point of like, how did you get from the point of being like, not sure, unready or not feeling ready to like, all right, I'm finally going to make this, this statement and, and some advice that maybe young musicians that are in that same position could maybe benefit from. Sure. Totally. Um, and you're, you kind of hit the nail on the head uh, w without saying this directly, but I'll say it. I mean, I'm like one of the worst self promoters uh in the game i i don't feel like i'm good at it uh and my personality is such that i don't like to talk about myself or or even foist my uh um creative offerings on people or assume that people want to hear them maybe that's like that speaks to some insecurity issues on my end for sure so i'm working on those i've been working on those for a while and now i'm getting better at the promotion game um but but as a result of that, it took me forever to I always had it in the back of my mind that, OK, I'm, I'm going to be a musician. I need to have a product out there. All of my friends had done recordings, um, some of them several recordings. Uh, and it's like, man, I, I, I have to get something done. I just don't know where to start. Um, and so it was it was a combination of things that kind of enabled me to finally take that step. I mean, first of all. Uh, Frank Kimbrough, one of my one of my teachers, finally said, "Man, you don't need to put so much pressure on yourself for this recording. I mean, it's just a snapshot of where you are in that moment. I mean, who cares if it's your first recording? It's just a snapshot. You'll do another recording, and it'll be another snapshot. And so, it's kind of framing it in that way took a lot of the pressure in my mind off of it being, oh my gosh, this is my first recording. It has to be, you know." absolutely perfect i have to have everything planned out and like just ready to go um and i and i think it's that mindset that causes paralysis in so many people uh if if you're waiting for everything to be perfect uh it's never going to happen because i mean the state the state of your artistry is ever evolving you're never going to feel satisfied um you know what i'm saying so so that that was a big factor hearing that from frank and then I can't remember who said it, and it might very well have been you, Nick, who at that point had had done many recordings under your own name and under the you know the other band that we played in, which is which is nameless. Um, you you had a lot of studio experience, and you said, "Man," or someone said to me, "You just have to set the date, set call, find the studio, book the date, and the rest will just fall into place." And so I think. That was the very first hard step that I took towards making the album was actually booking a studio date. And then I knew, okay, well, bam, now I have six months to get the music together, find the cats, make it rehearsals, uh, and then get into the studio. And I think, you know, just taking a step like that to just establish a timeline uh, is huge because then, then, I'm the sort of guy that works towards deadlines. If I if I don't have a deadline, uh, I'm liable to just push something off indefinitely. Um, 
I happened to have, by the time that I was looking for a studio, uh, a number of compositions available. So I kind of already had most of the music that I would want to record by virtue of having to write music for various school recitals, you know. Uh, So that's where uh, most of the originals on my album came from, where they were written originally for just, you know, recitals. Um, And then I booked the studio and needed to fill out a few more. So I wrote a couple more tunes, but I mean, just having the timeline was huge. Yeah, no, that's definitely something I could have said. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds I like something I would it. have done. <laughs> I mean, Nick, the thing is, man, you were such a, a guru for me personally in, in the whole process. I mean, I, I don't think I could name anyone else who has done it uh, in, my, in, in my peer group who has done as much in terms of recording or entrepreneurial uh, ventures as you. So, so I mean, I... It, the album would not have happened without your support and guidance. So, I mean, obviously I appreciate that you helped a lot. Um, I mean, you produced the album. First of all, you were there at the studio kind of like tracking things and which takes were good, what we need to do again. Maybe you helped with, uh, the, uh, the promo and the publicity after the fact. And, you know, it's just, it was, it was awesome. So thank you for kind of showing me the ropes and getting me off on a good foot. Hey man, I'm just glad. I'm just glad we got you. Got your music out there. It deserves to be heard. So, um, you you talked a little bit sappy. about yeah. <laughs> um, you talked a little bit about how like you're one of those people that that really needs goals in your life. Uh, yeah, which I would agree. Like I always work the best when I'm 24 hours before it's due. Um, so going from the structure of school to the lack of imposed structure of freelancing. Um, and then getting back into something that is heavily structured, as I'm sure the military is. Um, mm-hmm. What have you uh, uh, maybe taken from the military and applied to yourselves outwards to help give yourself that sense of structure, whether that is like your own projects or or anything like that? Because I'm sure like, you know, I'm, I think all of us that have had friends that have gone through the military and whatnot, like it certainly gets you a little bit more regimented and and like organization is is very like very detailed attention to all that so how has that helped has that been like uh put your mind at ease some with that or or how have you adjusted well if if i'm being honest i think um actually it was being a freelancer that was was the main factor in kicking my organizational skills into gear um I I started to notice, you know, as I was freelancing in New York, kind of like some OCD, not like, you know, not like not like diagnosable OCD, but like being really like obsessed with details and like schedules and and just like having all my ducks in a row as as much as I could trying to get that game together in New York, because that directly translated into um, people thinking you are responsible, people knowing you're a hard worker, and then therefore you get jobs, you get gigs. Um, so I, I feel like that side of my personality developed when I was in New York, uh, through teaching and, and playing and, and having to take care of all these things that directly related to my own career, such that when the military came around, it was a very, very easy transition for me because I mean, then it's like, okay, well, here's the structure you're going to follow. Do you think you can do this? And I think, absolutely. This is great. In fact, I have my own ideas on how to improve upon uh, 
this. Uh, I don't I don't know if that makes any sense, but it, it wasn't so much. Yes, the military is very organized, but I don't feel like whatever I'm applying to my own personal career comes from the military. I think that's a skill set that I had already developed um, in a way. I, and it may very well have really begun with the album planning process. Uh, I mean, just because because that venture has so many small details that you have to keep track of. And, um, I mean, the, the cool thing now that here, here's something that's, that's different. I mean, now that I'm in a new scene in a way, okay, Washington DC is different, uh, than New York. I'm kind of treating it in a way, uh, as a, a reset. Um, I, when I was in New York, I was kind of in this pattern of, of being called for gigs. You know, I was working a ton as a sideman, but very little as a leader, uh, except for a few things around the release of my album and in preparation for my album. Um, and that was largely because I felt between all the different freelancing things that I did, I didn't have the extra energy at that time to hound after club owners who weren't going to like return my phone calls or like spend hours a night at jazz clubs, uh, just so I could hang out with the owner and then do that maybe 25 times in a row. And then maybe he might think about giving me a gig. I didn't want to play that game so much. So now that I'm down in New York with whatever organizational skill sets I have, I feel, I'm sorry, now that I'm down in DC, I said the wrong thing. Uh, I feel like, um, I have the, motivation to to kind of go out and and start over like I'm, I'm already starting to book my own opportunities like more than i ever had in new york city and it feels really good because the military thing we were talking nick a little bit before you joined here the military thing scratches a, a a small itch i mean i'm playing largely big band music which is all great but that's only a a, a one facet of what I feel like I want to do artistically. So in order to satisfy the other facets of my personality, uh, musically, uh, I have to seek out opportunities to play solo, to play duo, um, to write music. Um, and so having the drive and the organizational skills that I had built up in New York, it kind of has enabled me to do pretty well in the two years that I've been here so far, I think. You know, that was kind of, that went down a rabbit hole. I'm not sure if that made sense, but. No, it totally makes sense. So what, so what are you working on now? I know you're working on like a, like a concert series, I think you said. Yeah. And so that's probably the biggest and, and newest thing here. Uh, I was lucky to have gotten hooked up with the arts club of Washington, uh, actually via the piano tuner for uh, the air force band. His, um, his girlfriend is a member of the arts club and um, she knew that the arts club was looking to expand their programming, especially in the field of jazz. They didn't have many jazz series to offer their members or the public. And uh, she knew that I was new in town. Uh, she uh, loved my playing and she mentioned to the club, Hey, you should contact this guy about doing these series. So long story short, I'm now, uh, essentially curating two series. There's a, there's a solo series that happens every week um, during the season, uh, which, which is more or less featured. Um, it's a two hour performance for either solo piano or guitar for members. Um, and then there's an actual, a duo concert series, which is, which just had its first 
um, the first concert was this past week with uh, saxophonist Owen Broder, who I don't know if you've had on the hang yet, but uh, um, he's also, you know, New York City saxophonist doing very well outside in music artist. Um, so that's much more of a concert. It takes place in a theater. There's like a, a, a dinner and a cocktail hour attached to it. It's kind of a whole experience. Um, and it's really cool because because the theme of that is duo. That means I get to do one of my favorite performers and I get to call some of my favorite people to come down and join me. Um, and these both of these series give me avenues to write and test out new music. So it's kind of like I'm, I'm flexing my my um my admin chops a little bit by running these series um and a little bit in promotion uh but also it gives me uh selfishly an art an, an artistic outlet too and i'm i'm thankful for these opportunities yeah well we haven't had owen on yet in this in this capacity he's been a he's been around before but uh i'm glad to hear that that's going well and yeah. uh so what's what else is coming next? Are you looking to record again? What other projects are on the horizon? Or any exciting guest artists this year with the the band? Yeah, we're in the middle of uh, finalizing our guest artist series for the next year, and uh, I oh, know okay. who the artist is, and I'm not sure that I'm allowed to say yet because it hasn't been released. Um, That's but it is a very, 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 very top name jazz saxophonist, and and if you you know, guess who who are the the top lead saxophonists on the scene today? One of them. The chances are good that that this person is one of them. One of the three that you'll come up with. So I'm already excited just based on that, and we'll have we'll have two other guest stars too. But the announcement will be made kind of soon. Um, so that's with the band, and then and then um, yeah, I would like to very much do another record soon, and and I'm actually having to talk about what we talked about earlier. Um, I'm thinking, well, I have to hold up the mirror again because I'm at the point where I just need to kind of book a studio date and then everything will fall into place from there. The only difference being I need to, I feel like I need to write more music again because I don't have um, the ready backlog of stuff that I would want to record or even a, a concept for a second album yet. But again, if I book the date, that'll fall into place. Uh, one thing I was excited about doing recently was uh, the Outside In Music Showcase. Um, the tune that we recorded there um, called... Uh, yeah, that's a good tune. Oh, what the heck was that called? Something Dance. I'm blanking Dueler's on that. Dance. That's right. Dueler's Dance. Thank you. <laughs> I, that's that's one that I definitely want to record um, for the next album. I, I was really, really pleased with how that turned out. And... Uh, I think Mike Thomas and I, if we ever decide on what takes we want to use, we might end up having <laughs> or or at least something. So it's been good. I feel like, you know, now more more than ever I've had like these little these varied outlets um that kind of complement what I do uh on a day to day basis down here. That's pretty cool. Beautiful. And uh yeah, well, that's 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 super awesome. Well, Chris, I don't want to take up any more of your time. Uh, you've been very generous to talk to with us today, and so could you let people know where they can uh, find you and hear your music and all that good stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a website. It's uh, chrisziemba.com, uh, and then uh, of course you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff. 
if if any of you out there are interested in in the airmen of note we of course have a have social media channels too you can find us there and also uh music.af.mil that's the air force band webpage um and uh i have a, a mailing list too which you can access via my website and that's probably the best way to stay up to date along with facebook with uh, what's happening so my music is uh available on the usual channels you know apple music spotify um i think some copies of my first recording still exist on amazon what physical copy. yeah they're there yeah Please buy, please buy them and, and, and sell them. <laughs> Amazing. Well, Chris, thanks again for taking the time. And uh, we look forward to checking out uh, the new stuff that's coming. And if you're in D.C., be sure to check out, you said it's the Arts Club. Is that the name of the venue? Yeah, Arts Club of Washington. And uh, Chris will be there and curating that. And you can find them all over with the uh, Airmen of Note. So that'll do it for this week's episode. And uh, we'll catch you back here real soon.